Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, let's go over to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to continue with this that we've been looking at, the mature believer. And uh, there are some things the Lord has been uh, talking to me about and uh, some things that He's been reminding me of. Back in uh, 2002, uh, we, had, uh, we have a, a, a dear friend, uh, that pastors in the uh, Birmingham, Alabama area, Pastor Scott Webb. And uh, he, uh, there for a number of years, uh, he ministered every year at our faith explosion. And uh, this, actually the, the faith explosion that he was at, it was uh, September 2nd of 02. And the Spirit of the Lord uh, began to move on him and he began to prophesy over my wife and I And he made a statement that I've never forgot. I won't go through the whole word. But he said, uh, by the Spirit of the Lord, he said, people will follow a man that knows where he's going and knows how to get there. And uh, this is so important uh, because there are things that God has been talking to to me about and talking to my wife about. And one of them is this uh, concept of promotion. And he keeps talking to us about how that this is the season of promotion. And when I say that, not just for individuals, but for the ministry, for the churches in our fellowship, the season of promotion. But here's what also he's been talking to me about. If God decides to promote us and decides to uh, move us forward, if we can say that, and he has, then there are things that I have to do. There, there There are elements that I have to grow up into him in. He said to me one time about ministries, he said, no church will ever outgrow their pastor. Amen. Now, I say that, you know, uh, I used to say it hesitantly because, uh, uh, you know, people kind of take that and say, well, that's why nothing's going right. It's him, you know, and or her or whoever. And so, but the point is, it, it, you'll never outgrow, a church will never outgrow its pastor. All right. Uh, whether it's small thinking or, or whatever it may be. But the point is, is there are things that you can do to not allow those things in. And one of the things that he keeps talking to me about is that just the body, the church as a whole, there has to be another level of maturity. There has to be another level of growth. And that's not saying anybody's immature as much as it is saying that we're always going to be growing. We're in a perpetual state of growth. You know, uh, somebody told me one time that science has proven that as you age, uh, you, know, uh, you know, your height, they say your height kind of shrinks and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, I, and, and, but here's something they said. They said there are two things that never quit growing, your nose and your ears. <laughs> and, and so I, my, 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 my point in saying that is so uh, uh, that's perpetual growth. And so we're, we're supposed to be consistently, constantly growing uh, 
in the things of God. And the only way that I can check up and see am I growing is look at what does the Word say and then apply that to my life and where am I measuring up or where am I uh, missing the mark. So the goal of the Christian life is maturity. It's, it's, it's advancement. I remember I was with uh, Bob Yandian and Pastor Caldwell at a minister's conference in Round Rock, Texas. And, and, and Pastor Bob made that statement. And he said uh, in, in his beginning statement, the goal of the Christian life is maturity. And that just imprinted my spirit. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth or from here on out be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Notice, but speaking the truth in love, and here's a phrase, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. So he uses this word, Paul uses this word here in verse 12, perfecting. And of course, if you were here Sunday night, we, we talked about the faithfulness of attending the local church and the faithfulness of being involved and, and, and how the local church helps perfect. But this word perfecting, for the perfecting of the saints, it's the word equipped or furnished or fully furnished, all right? So he's saying that in the local church, there's this perfecting, there's this equipping, the, this furnishing, the, the, the body, the members for the work of the ministry. But here's a very important phrase, for the edifying of the body. I am furnished or equipped with what I need to be furnished and equipped with to edify the body. Yes, for the work of the ministry, but notice the work of the ministry that I'm furnished and edified for or, or, or equipped for is supposed to edify the body. It's not for me. Amen. It's, it's, it's not so that I can be something. It's so that I can do something. So that I can edify, build up. The Amplified Bible, where that word edify is concerned, it talks about an edifice rising higher and higher and higher. So what I'm furnished and equipped to do will, is supposed to help you grow higher and higher and higher. And notice that the ministry gifts help the members of the body walk in that. Amen. Because the edifying and the encouraging and the building of the body the largest part of that is on the pastor, but the, 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 the whole of it involves the whole church. Amen. For the perfecting of the saints. But then he uses this phrase in verse 13, until you come to a perfect man. A perfect man. Well, this is important because uh, the word perfect there, it, just, it simply means a fully grown or mature person. Ralph Earl's uh, New Testament Greek words says this. It says that it, it means a person that's come to full adulthood. 
And so we have two words. You would think, well, perfecting and perfect, they both mean the same thing. But they don't. One means that I'm furnished or equipped. And the other means that I need to become fully mature or a complete adult. Amen. Hallelujah. So the reason for this equipping, the reason for this furnishing is so that I can arrive at maturity. So I can be full grown. Now, the reason I want to be full grown is so that I'm no longer a child. Now that's obvious from the text. That we be no more children. All right? Tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Amen. You can't move mature people. Mature believers don't need something new every six months. Hallelujah. That's a good place to say, yes, Lord. Amen. You understand? Anytime I see somebody that they're always dropping something and going to find something new, it's just immaturity. It's, It's just immaturity. The older you get, the more solidity and the more comfort you find in routine. Amen. Right? You know, the older you get, the more they say you are set in your ways. Right? Brother David said amen loud. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> I know. I know. But, but you know what? There's a comfort there. Amen. There's a comfort there. Not, not obstinate. That's not what I'm talking about. But you just, you do things the same way every time you understand that I don't have to have excitement every day. That, that normal, just, just normal ways of doing things is pretty good. Amen. Hallelujah. Children need to be excited every day. They need, they need something new to keep their attention. Amen. It, listen, if you're a parent in here and you've ever bought the top of the line toy and brought it home for the birthday, or brought it home for Christmas, right? And they open it up, and it's just, woo! I mean, it's just, for the first five days, it's, this is the best thing ever. And then, you know, six or seven or eight or ten or a couple weeks later, well, well, where's that at? I I don't know. Right? And, And I saw this one. Yeah, but it looks just like the one I bought you. Yeah, but this is the new one. This is, this is that, that model point two. Amen. It's just, just immaturity. How, it's not a bad thing. It's just immaturity. Hallelujah. And he says, notice, he says that, that children, notice they're tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now, that's not what I'm preaching on tonight, but it just, we'll come back to that in, in future sermons. But it just shows you the evidence when, when you see a person that just kind of drifts in and out and they come to church for a little while and then they don't come for a little while and they, they come to this church and then they're over here at this church and then they're over there at that church and now they're over here at Sister So-and-So's Bible study and we're going to go over here and, we're, and they hardly ever complete anything, just immaturity. They're just tossed to and fro. It's just wherever the wind blows them. Amen. And, and you, know, you know by plants... And, and, and trees that if you plant a bush or you plant a tree and a week later you pull it up and move it to another spot and you leave it there for two weeks and you pull it up and you move it to another spot, not only are you going to not have a tree or bush that grows, you're going to kill it. Yeah. 
Because, because it needs those nutrients that are in the ground. The Bible says that the person that's blessed is the person who is planted in the house of God. And when you're planted in the house of God, in the house of God, in the kingdom soil, is all the nutrients you need, all of the, all of the nitrates, all of the vitamins that you need in that ground to cause you to grow. Amen. Brother Tavakal was helping me with something at my house, and he said something to me that I never thought of, and, and maybe you have, and if you had, you're just a little smarter than I am, or quicker anyway. And uh, he said, uh, he talked about uh, the importance of rocks. I didn't know rocks were important. I thought they were just rocks. So Tavakal, you helped me. I didn't know rocks were important. He said, yeah, rocks have iron in them. And he said, your plants need iron. And he looked at me like I should have known it. And, and, and he said, he said, <laughs> he said, your plants, your trees, your bushes, they need vitamins just like you do. Amen. I never thought about that. Hallelujah. So, so, so it showed me something that, that my plants and shrubs can take supplements and, and, and get some help, but they're going to grow up. But the best thing I can do for them is keep them planted. Keep what they need going in them. Amen. Hallelujah. Now notice verse 15. He says, but speaking the truth in love. So notice at the end of that word deceived. Now I know the punctuation is not anointed, but it's important. From a linguistic point, we have a, 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 a colon, and that means that the sentence continues. So he says that we be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the sight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to see, but speaking the truth in love. In other words, don't be children that are tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but speak the truth in love. So this must tell me something. This must tell you something. That Somebody that will speak the truth in love is not immature. They're not a child. Now, not just speak the truth. Because you can speak the truth and hurt somebody if it's not in love. Amen. Because truth is a very demanding thing. When you see something that needs to change in somebody's life... You can come up to them and say, hey, bud, you need to get that right. Well, that might be truth, but you might kill them trying to help them. Right? It's like they used to say about medicine way back in the, you know, the 1800s. The, sometimes the cure was worse than the disease. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it, this phrase, speaking the truth in love, it means enfolded in love. So I'm supposed to take what I say and wrap it in love. Amen. Amen. Wrap it in love. Make sure that what I'm saying is wrapped in love. That's how mature people do. Mature, why? Because, keep going back to this now, because you are where you're at, you are being equipped and furnished with what you're being equipped and furnished with to edify the body. And if I'm going to edify the body, I have to edify the body in love. Love is the miracle grow of the kingdom. Nothing in the kingdom grows without love. It doesn't grow by faith. 
It doesn't grow by spiritual gifts. You do not mature by faith. You don't mature by spiritual gifts. You only mature by love. Hallelujah. People say, well, you know, but I know a lot of scripture. That, 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 that doesn't matter. That doesn't mean I'm mature. This, this is so important. So I'm speaking the truth in love. So that mark of spiritual maturity is the ability to speak the truth in love. I, I used to, I may have told you this story before, but uh, 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 a gentleman that really marked my life uh, was a, a man named Norman Potter. And he was, uh, when I was 13, I went to work on a ranch in, in Dowhart, Texas. And uh, bless its holy name. And uh, uh, Norman was the, the foreman out there. And uh, uh, Norman had been a cowboy all his life, and he was just a great guy. And uh, uh, he, he gave me a job. And uh, when I started work out there, I was making $3.10 an hour. That was minimum wage then. How times have changed. Anyway, $3.10 an hour. And Norman let me know that was good money. And I needed to work hard for it. I'm 13, right? And, uh, and, and I, I, I work hard hours. I work long hours. And, uh, but my point is, Norman could correct you and make you want to thank him for doing it. I just, he just had this way about him. He never raised his voice. He never yelled. He never cursed. But he could, he could just chew you out and you wanted to go, thank you. I, just, I appreciate that so much. Right? Because he had this, I, this way of telling you how if you did things right, how it would benefit the whole group. Now, I, you know, I believe Norman knew the Lord, but he by, by no means was he a minister. But the point is, that's how we're supposed to be as believers. There's nothing that cannot be said in love that won't help somebody grow. Amen. Now, look at Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Now, I know very often when we talk about love, we... We, we, we deal with being offended and not being offended and, and these different things. And that's important. But I'm, I'm kind of intentionally shying away from that because we, we, we want to look at some of these other things that are so important. Galatians 5 and 13. And Paul says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Notice this, though. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love... Serve one another. By love, serve one another. Well, the Greek word here for serve is the word that means a servant or a slave. All right? It's the same word that Paul used in Philippians 2, 7 when he said that Jesus did, uh, uh, made himself of no reputation but took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, all right? He took upon him the form of a servant or of a slave and was made in the likeness of men. So notice what Paul's saying here. He says, look, you can do what you want. You, you've been called to liberty. He's dealing with the Galatian church that is being uh, uh, there. We taught on this a couple years ago when we taught through the book of, of Galatians. 
But the Judaizers have come back in and they put all the laws and the rules and the regulations of, of the Mosaic law. Uh, uh, they're trying to preach that to the Galatian church. And Paul's writing to the people that he had shared the gospel with and brought them freedom from that. And he says, look, here's the problem. He said, you're, you're laying all these rules and regulations and there's arguing and there's infighting going on. And he said, you've been made free from this. And he says, but the fact that you've been made free doesn't mean that you should use your liberty to act however you want. He says, you need to take this occasion of liberty and by love serve, become a servant, become a slave to your fellow believer. Hallelujah. Right? See, if you, if you tie that together with Ephesians 4, where Paul said, you're, you're, you're equipped, you're furnished, you are, are equipped with what you need so you can edify the body. You're equipped and furnished with what you need so that you can serve your fellow believer by love. Amen. Everything that we do is a service. You know, we talk about the service gifts, ushering, greeting, people calling them service gifts. Everybody in here has a service gift. It's called love. Everybody. Serving one another. Amen. This, uh, this uh, brings to, to remembrance, you don't have to go there, but Exodus 21, 5 and 6. And, and I know you've read this. You can write it down. I'll just paraphrase it. But it says it's dealing with the laws of the Jubilee, the laws of the seventh year. Every seventh year, all the servants went free. All the slaves were set free in, in Israel. And God said this. He said, at the end of seven years, if there's somebody that you brought into your house as a servant, he said, at that seventh year, he's set free. And he said, but if he decides, wait a minute, I love my master. I love my family. I love my children. I don't want to go. He said, then you take him and you take him before the elders and you put a, bore a hole through his ear. And that's a sign that he's serving because he loves. Right? Amen. So he, notice, this ties into Galatians 5 because Paul said don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. That man in Exodus had a right to become free. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. But because of his love for his master, he remained a servant to his master forever. The, the debt that you and I will never be able to pay is the debt of love. That's what Romans 13 and 8 in its perfect context is saying. It says, owe no man anything except to love them. So that means in you, for you, I'm never supposed to leave a debt remaining outstanding except I will always be indebted to you to love you. For, for, for all of our time on this earth, even when we get to glory, we're still going to be walking in love. Hallelujah. Everybody that saw that scar on that man knew that man was serving his master because he loved him. Not because he had to. When I was a boy growing up, we, uh, my mom and dad pastored 
a few churches in West Texas and, and uh, 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 Eastern, well, actually, Southwest New Mexico. And uh, uh, we used to have a, a minister that would come and stay with us from Ponca City, Oklahoma. And uh, uh, if you've never been to Ponca City, Oklahoma, don't worry about it. Not too many people make it there. <laughs> There's a lot of jackrabbits and dirt. And so, anyway, hallelujah. Uh, he used to come, and, and one of his favorite messages that he liked to preach was this, I love you because I have to. And he would preach and take you through the Word of God. And, and, and it was bad theology, don't misunderstand me. And he would say, I love you because I've been commanded to. Well, Jesus did say, this is my commandment that you love one another, but it's taken out of its context. Because he was referencing the commandments of the scribes and the Pharisees that they had added to the law of Moses and all these different things. And he said, here's my commandment, walk in love. Why did he say that? Why did he say that? Because the Bible tells us that he that loves has fulfilled the law. And so they're saying you got to do this and you got to do that. And Jesus is saying under the old covenant, as a prophet under the old covenant, he says, wait a minute, I'm telling you something. I'm letting you in on the future. If you can walk in love, you don't have to worry about that. Amen. So I serve one another. I serve through love. Am I helping you so far? A mature believer serves because they love. I serve you because I love you. I speak kind words to you because I love you, because I care about you. There should never be, and there's not in, in our churches, thank God, but there should never be infighting or wrangling or power struggles in people that are governed by love. Amen. Because love chokes that out of the church. When, when you're walking in love, amen. I remember one time, I was speaking to a man named Dr. John Holland, and John Holland for years was the uh, international president of the, the Foursquare churches. And uh, he, and, he, and, uh, 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 he was at a conference that I was at in uh, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and I'd been invited to, the, to the, the, the president of the organization we were a part of, invited me to his hotel, to, hotel room to, to visit and whatnot, and uh, uh, so he was there, and I noticed Dr. Holland was sitting there by himself. Now, my mindset is always this, all right? If, if, there's, if, if there's somebody that's been doing something the way I want to do it for a long time well, I want to know what they think about things. And Dr. Holland this time was very old. He, he went to heaven a few months after this, and uh, he was sitting there alone, and uh, I thought, well, here's my chance. And, and I went over and began to talk to him, and I looked at him, and I, I, was ask, I, I asked him one question. I asked him, I said, Dr. Holland, do you have time for one question? And he said, well, sure. And I said, uh, what is the single most important thing that you think a pastor can do for his people? And he looked at me without blinking an eye and said, love them. That's the single most important thing you can do. Now, I realize that my, the main part of my job is ministering the Word, but remember, it's ministering the word because we love you. Not just so you can hear our latest sermon. And, and, and there are ministers that they work harder on presentation than they do on purpose. 
And the purpose of the message has to be that the people get it and you want them to get it because you love them. Right? That, that, right? That's what we do with our children. We set them down and we go over things again and again and again because we love them. And we know there are certain things if you don't get, you're not going to be furnished and equipped for what you need to go do. Amen. So that, that, imprint, that imprinted my spirit. That somebody that pastored all these great churches and led great organizations could say the greatest thing any pastor can do is love his people. That's important. Amen. Because love makes you feel safe. If you know you're loved, you'll feel safe. And it, it doesn't matter what's going on, right? You, a child can have a bad day at school, but if home is stable, if home is full of love, they'll get at home and everything's okay because they're surrounded, they're enfolded, they're, 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 they're in a love burrito. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, let's go back to Ephesians 4. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Because it's, this, this whole thing is more about purpose than just action. And under, understand what I mean by that. You can spend a lot of time telling people that they don't need to be offended. But what is even more important, the Bible talks about what's even more important, is that you're not one that causes offense. You know what Jesus said? He said, woe to the one Right? That offends one of these little ones. And he said, but here's the problem. He said, make sure you're not the one the offense comes from. Right? He said, because it's better for you if a millstone were hanged about your neck and you were thrown in the sea than to offend somebody and cause them to fall out of the faith. Amen. Ephesians, uh, what did we say? 4 and verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And notice this. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Now notice this phrase. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now this is, this, this is so important. He says he starts off talking to believers and be kind one to another. The word kind is be pleasant. Be benevolent. Pleasant. So that means no grumpy Christians. No grouchy believers. Kind and pleasant. Benevolent. Amen. You know, if you've been in church any length of time, you've met some mean Christians. Amen. I have. But, but he says we're to be kind. We're to be kind to one another. Now that may seem like a simple thing. But when people come to our church, when you come to the church, there should be a kindness, a benevolence that's just there. What can we do for you? How can we help you grow? Right? People need to know I'm in a place that's going to help me. Hallelujah. He said be kind one to another. Then he said tenderhearted. That word is compassionate or sympathetic. Compassionate or sympathetic. Now, the word compassionate, I, I, I taught the series some years ago, built 
by mercy. And compassion is, mercy is the active compassion of God. And so when he says be compassionate or be tenderhearted, it's the word compassionate or sympathetic or merciful. Now, think about this for a moment. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. I want to be compassionate. I want to be merciful. I want to be sympathetic. Now, I, I understand things like that can be taken too far. It, there's things you don't overlook. Remember, that's why we've got to speak the truth in love. There are things sometimes that have to be corrected. This, this, is, this is not what a lot of people teach that, that, you know, because we walk in love, we just overlook things. No, there are things we don't overlook. I mean, sin is sin is sin is sin. Wrong is wrong. You can't get, it's wrong if I do it, it's wrong if you do it, it's wrong if whoever does it. And so mercy and compassion in that regard would be to tell somebody that's wrong <laughs> in love. But it means I'm merciful, I'm compassionate. I realize that everybody is growing just like I am. That's why you never deal with people the way you deal with you. You deal with people where they're at. Amen. It's not one size fits all. Listen, I've got a, I've got a bunch of kids and I've got a bunch of grandkids. And I'm telling you, you, you learn raising kids, you can't deal with this one like you deal with this one. I mean, it's the same rules, it's the, it's the same, but this one's got a different personality. My, listen, my, my oldest daughter ne at home never gave us a lick of trouble. I mean, not a lick of trouble. Because her mindset was, I'm going to have it easy while I'm at home. Because one day I'm going to be 18, I can do whatever I want. So if I said, you need to be home at 9.30, she didn't argue. She wanted life to be easy. My, my oldest son, oh, listen, if I spanked that kid twice the whole time he was growing up, I, I don't even know if it was twice. I'm sure it was, probably, probably maybe a little more. But the, the, the point is, you could just look at him with a, a sour look, and he would just break. It was just, it, he was so tenderhearted. Our second daughter, my Lord, fight everything, rebel against everything. If you said yes, she said no. If you said it's purple, she said it is not, it's lavender. It was just, it right? It was just, you know, just do things to just try to get under your skin. Amen. And you say, look, because you did that, I'm grounding you. I'm taking away your, your iPod. That's how long ago this was. I'm taking away your iPod. And you know what she'd say? I don't care. I don't want it. I don't like it. I don't need it. Because in her mind, I'm taking the power away. She has come home before and had nothing in her room but a bed. And she'd say, I don't care. Don't bother me none. Or you can say, well, you're grounded. You're not going to the school event. Didn't want to go anyway. You know, and it, and you, I would just go down in our room, just have a slow burn. Right? I, I see some knowing nods. Amen. But, but my point is, is I had to deal with her different. My love towards her was the same, but it was presented in a different manner. 
she was very high strung. I had to deal with her. I had to, I had to keep the reins tight. Amen. My, my oldest son was like an old, old trail horse. He just put his head down and just, here he just went. Amen. You, you had to put the spurs to him to make him go. But it's the same way with people. I, you can't deal with everybody like you deal with you. You might have to grab you by the ear and say, look, you're going to straighten up. You're going to do right. But you can't do that to some people. There are some people that want you to tell them straight. There are some people that you got to work it around and fold it in love. Put some guacamole on it. Make sure that, right? Amen. <laughs> right? We, we had a little dog one time that injured, injured his back. And uh, he had to take a pain pill. And, uh, uh, you know, so you, you didn't just hold the pill down there. He'd just kind of sniff it and walk off. But he needed that medicine. Well, he put some cheese around it, right? And by the time he figured out, you know, he never figured out what was going on. That, that's what Paul's saying. Enfold this in love. It needs to be done, but you've got to do it in love because if you destroy this person, if you hurt them, if you injure them, then you've done the wrong thing. And you'll hear people sometimes, they'll say, well, I know you're not going to like this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, get ready. It's about to come out. There's no cheese coming with that. It's just, it's, boom. Amen. Do you see that? Then he said, so be compassionate, be sympathetic. Forgiving. Now, now this word, we think forgiving, it just simply means this. Forgive freely, not grudgingly. I, I started something years ago. Years ago, I started this. Because, because God began talking to me about maturing in love. And I started this. If somebody comes to me and says, I need you to forgive me, the first words out of my mouth are, done. Done. Yeah, but you don't know what it is. Doesn't matter. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're asking me to forgive you. Done. If you want to tell me, you can. You don't have to. It's done. Because the fact that you're coming to ask me for forgiveness means you want to be right. So it's done. I don't need to know. Matter of fact, if I don't know, it's better. Better. Because then, then, I, then I have, my mind can't fight me about, well, why'd they think that? And how come this? And, right? Just, it's, it's just done. Now, you've got to understand, when, you, when you're walking in love, it becomes easier and easier to forgive freely. No strings attached. Just, I'm forgiven freely. Amen. Not grudgingly. Not grudgingly. Hallelujah. And, and, and that's why you need to say things about yourself a lot. I'm a forgiver. I forgive easily. I'm not easily offended. Amen. Hallelujah. I tell people that. I tell my wife that. I'm not easily offended. Amen. Hallelujah. And then he says, notice, as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. We're to emulate His forgiveness, even as God. Now, that's, that's a strong statement, that I can do something just like God. Now, notice, verse 5, or chapter 5, verse 1. Remember, there were no chapter breaks, so the context has not changed. He's still talking about forgiving. 
as God did. And he said, be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. As Christ has loved us, given himself for us and offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Now, obviously, that word there for followers, be followers of, of God, is the Greek word mimetes, M-I-M-E-T-E-S, mimetes. And it means to mimic or it means to imitate. Uh, uh, the original Greek language was an imitation actor. All right? You, when, when you think about that, what was that guy's name? I don't even know if he's still living. Rich Little? I don't know if you all remember Rich Little, but he, he did all those impersonations. Pretty good, too. And, but he would be an a, 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 a imitation actor. He could imitate people. All right? He says, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. So what he's talking about in its perfect context of imitating God is in this area of forgiveness and walking in love. I'll hear people say, you know, God calls things that be not as though they are, so we do because we're imitators of God. Well, that's applicable. You can use it, but that's not the context. The context is loving and forgiving like God did. Amen. Amen. Yeah, but you don't know what so-and-so did, or you don't know what they said. Uh, but the Bible tells me that I can imitate God and forgive it freely and ungrudgingly. Amen. So I can forgive it. Hallelujah. And he says, walk in love. That, word, that phrase, walk in love, it's in the present imperative in the Greek. And here's what that means, is that he's saying, keep on walking in love. Do this all the time. There are two things that you see the Bible tell you to walk in consistently in the present imperative. Walk in the Spirit and walk in love. And, and, and there are things that He tells you in the present imperative to quit walking in. The works of the flesh. Amen. So when we're made perfect in love, it'll show up in our interaction with our fellow believers. One man said this, he said, we disgrace the family when we fail to walk in love. Jesus said, by this will all men know that you are my disciples because you have love one for another. That's so important. Amen. That's a good place to say, I love my neighbor. Amen. So he said, as Christ loved us. Well, how did Christ love us? How did he love us? It tells us he gave himself for us. He gave himself. I got a phone call one time from a, a, a gentleman that was having some, some problems. And, uh, and he began to talk to me about different things. And, and uh, uh, before, before you know it, uh, he was telling me how his wife was his problem. And he couldn't do ministry because his wife was his problem. And he made the statement to me, he goes, you know, our wives can be a hindrance to us. And, uh, you know, I said, well, brother, I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not the man's pastor. He, he had come to the church a few times, but I'm not his pastor. And, and I said, brother, I said, you know, I'm hearing your side of this. I said, but there's two sides to every story. And I said, so I don't know who's right and wrong here. I said, the only way I can figure that out is if y'all come in and the four of us, my wife and me and you and your wife, sit down and talk about this. Oh, they, she don't want to do that. 
She don't or you don't. <laughs> but but here's, here's my point. What kept running through my mind in that whole conversation, he's not giving himself for his wife. Amen. No spouse should ever badmouth the other counterpart. The, the husband doesn't talk about the wife and the wife doesn't talk about the husband. Now, I know that that seems elementary, but I've counseled a lot of marriages and it's no wonder they're in the state they're in when they come to talk to you because they're undercutting one another. Nobody's giving themselves. Nobody's submitting. She won't submit. You won't give yourself. He won't give himself. You won't submit. It's, it's, it's a mutual thing. Amen. I, I, can I share an example with you about that real quick? I've never been a, been a big phone talker. I'm just not. All right? I mean, I'm still not to this day. I'm not a big texter or anything. I, I just, I like face-to-face communication. All right? That's me. And <laughs> Pastor Michelle, now I'm saying what she says, not what I say. All right? I'm not bragging on me. But she'll call me and say things like, I just want to hear your voice. Well, that blesses me. But in the beginning, I'd be like, hang up. And when you get home, you can hear my voice. That's what I'm thinking. That's not what I would say. I'm smarter than that. All right? But you know what? Here's my point. I figured something out. If she calls me and wants to talk to me, it means something to her. And if I give myself for her, I'll talk on the phone. Now, I know that's simple. It's not like an issue, right? But I've counseled people before. Well, all I want to do is hold his hand, and he won't hold hands. Well, I'm not a touchy person. That's irrelevant. You're giving yourself. Why wouldn't you want to hold hands with your wife, man? It's my best friend, right? Amen. Why, 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 why wouldn't you want to do that? Now, here's my point in saying that, is if, if, if that's what... She would desire if that's what he would desire. And, it, and it's something that's not immoral and it's something that's easy and simple. Why wouldn't you want to do it? Because every anytime I say, well, that's not how I am. I'm saying I'm more important. What I think is more important. And I don't have to serve you by love because that's not what I want to do. You see what I'm saying? Regardless of if it's what I want to do or not, it's what needs to be done if I'm going to love you as Christ loved the church or love you as Christ loved and gave himself for me. Amen. Then he says in verse 25, am I helping you? Husbands love your wives Notice, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, I'm not talking about marriage, but I want you to see this, this phrase. Even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So love is found in the giving. Love is found in the giving. I've talked to guys before. Well, she's mad at me. Well, why is she mad at you? Well, because I won't go to the doctor. Well, why won't you go to the doctor? Well, it's nothing. 
Well, but could, couldn't you go for her? If it's nothing, what you got to lose? I'll, I'll help you. Nothing. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, but I don't just like doctors. Well, they may not like you. I mean... I don't like being poked and prodded. Well, I'm sure they don't like poking and prodding. But if, I, if I'm going to give myself, if I'm going to give myself, hallelujah. Have you ever been driving down the road? Now, guys, I'm, I'm, I know I'm talking from the male standpoint here. But have you ever been driving down the road? And you know where you're going. You know where you're going. And your wife will say, uh, you need to turn right up here. know where I'm going right that's what you want to say hallelujah you know you know what I started started saying and thinking praise God thank you baby thank you for making sure we don't get lost because I can get distracted now that seems simple but it's 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 those it's those everyday things where I'm giving myself and if you practice giving at home you won't have any problem giving when you come to church because that's where these things are cultivated. Those, those, those fruit are not cultivated in the church sanctuary. They're con, con, cultivated at your job and in your home and on the freeway and in the, in the grocery store. Man, I, there was a sacker at Kroger the other day. I thought, I literally thought this. How, how did a baboon get a job here? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm thinking, they hired a gorilla. That's, that's just all there is to it. They've taught a monkey to sack groceries. Because he was rude, he was mad because the, the girl that was served, was, was uh, uh, checking, was training, and she was taking some time and making mistakes. And I'm thinking, I'm the one that's paying for the groceries, and I got to wait, and you're mad? That makes no sense. Now, see, I'm cultivating something. So I had to grab a hold of that. I, I, I know you never think like that. But I, I, I had to grab a hold of that and think, oh, Lord, 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 help him. Lord, bless him. Lord, I, I love him. And, and, and uh, he, he left. He actually went and got somebody else and told him, she's taking too long. She's, take, she's too slow. I thought you were getting paid by the hour. I mean, you, you, you know, you're just standing there doing nothing. I mean, see, you cultivate those things in the line at the grocery store. You cultivate those things when you're, you're, you're coming across the bridge where they're doing road work, right? And, and there's all these signs that say, merge now and everybody and their dog waits right up to the last second to try to get over, and you're running late now because they wouldn't merge when they should have merged. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know that of which I speak. But see, here, here's the point. That's, that's, that's where you just decide, hey, everybody's driving real safe today. You know, they're just... In my pathway is life and there is no death. I got air conditioned. I got good preaching in the CD player. And I'm comfortable. Got a nice car. So got a glass of tea. So I'm all right. Amen. 
DJ's taking me to Popeye's. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, DJ, the other day, he was telling a story. Uh, he was talking about a smoothie, and I, and, and I said, uh, Pastor Larry said, you want to take him to Popeye's? He goes, ooh, I love Popeye's. And he forgot all about the story about the smoothie. Amen. DJ's my percussionist. Look at Galatians 5 real quick. I got to get done. I know. This is good. And uh, Galatians 5 and 16. And, and we'll, we'll hurry through this. I'll try not to get too preachy. But uh, 5.16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, he just got through talking about biting and devouring and being contrary to one another. He calls that walking in the flesh. And then he says, the King James says, this I say. In the Greek, it's that present imperative. He's saying, I say. All right? I'm telling you, this is what I'm telling you. Walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. That word walk that he used, it's better translated stroll. All right? You're taking a stroll. You're, it's, it's a comfortable pace. It carries the idea of being in one area so long that you're comfortable in that area. It's like having lived in a house for so long that you can walk through that house with the lights off and never run into anything because you know where everything's at. You're comfortable there. He says stroll. Become comfortable in the Spirit. Amen. And you will not fulfill. That word fulfill means bring to completion the works of the flesh. And in the Greek that means this. That the flesh is always working to lord its desires over you. If if you ever read about what the Bible calls the body of this flesh, the, the, the flesh that we've been delivered from. It never has glowing terms for it. It calls it this body of death, the old man, the unregenerate man, right? All those different things. And it calls us that walk in the Spirit, the new man, a new creature, right? All these different phrases. This is so important because the works of the flesh will attempt to lord their desires over us. And Paul says the answer to that attempt is to walk in the Spirit. When you read Romans chapter 6, it talks about our freedom from sin. And it says, for he that is dead is freed from sin. And then he said, he that's freed from sin has crucified the flesh with its carnal lust. Then Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I yet live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who died, and here it is, and gave himself for us. Amen. The answer to killing and crucifying your flesh is walk in love. When you walk in love, you crucify the flesh. Hallelujah. Now, now last, last verse, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Notice that. So walking in the Spirit is walking in love. And walking in love is walking in the Spirit. Every time you walk in love, you put to death the works of the flesh. Because if you go through the works of the flesh, and we're not going to do it tonight because we don't have time, but you you can study it before we get together next time. When you go through the works of the flesh, 
Every one of them are anti-love. Every one of them. Every one of them. Adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, rioting, all these different things. They are all anti-love. And he said, when you, when, you, when you walk in love, you put to death the works of the flesh. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says the greatest of these is love. That's so important. Amen. And as we do that, what will happen? We'll mature, we'll grow, and we'll be ready for the promotion that God's calling us into. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. Say, I desire to walk in love and be a mature believer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's stand up tonight.